0: You're listening to the Weekly Wrap-Up on Sprott Money News.
1: Greetings once again from Sprott Money News at SprottMoney.com. Hey, it's Friday, May the 28th. It's the last trading day of the month of May with U.S. and U.K. markets closed on Monday, May the 31st. So we're wrapping up the month as well today, not just the week. I'm your host, Craig Hemke. Joining us this week is our old friend Bob Thompson. If you recall, Bob is a Uh, Senior Vice President and Portfolio Manager at Raymond James in Vancouver and an old friend of Eric's. And so it's always nice to have Bob join us. Bob, thank you so much for your time this morning.
0: Great to be on with you again, Craig. It's been a couple months, I think.
1: You've been a very busy guy, I know that, and it's great to have you back. And uh, before we get started, just a reminder, again, all of these great podcasts, whether it's Weekly wrap-up, Ask the Expert, the monthly thing that we do with Chris Vermeulen, looking at the charts. All of that is due to the efforts of Sprott Money. You can find them at SprottMoney.com. And if you're having a hard time finding precious metals at a reasonable price, well, who is it? Unfortunately, premiums don't look like they're coming down anytime soon either, especially on American Silver Eagles. So be sure to stop by And check us out. We have some of the best prices in the business, and we're also obviously one of the most trusted names in precious metals. Please stop by SprottMoney.com if you're looking for metal or a place to store it. Of course, you can always just call us directly, too, if you want to talk to an actual person, 888-861-0775. Okay, so as we move to the end of the week, there's just a few trading hours left. We're going to paint the weekly charts. We're also going to paint the monthly charts today. And we look to finish the week pretty well Uh, Some interesting data this morning on U.S. spending, U.S. consumer income, but also the Fed's favorite inflation indicator because it's about as light on the inflation as you can find. Uh, But that's the core PCE, all of that helping to shove real interest rates even lower. And if you listen to these podcasts every week, you know the importance of negative real real interest rates on gold prices. So, Bob, I'm sure you've been watching this all morning. What are your thoughts on where we stand as we wrap up the month of May?
0: Yeah, um, you know, Craig, the inflation numbers, the core PCE came in at 3.1%, which was a bit of a surprise to the upside. So it continues to surprise to the upside. But, uh, of course, the Fed says it's transitory. But what are they going to say? Are they going to say, oh, my God, we're going to have massive um, inflation? Because that's going to create massive inflation. It's like the CBO, you know, who does their um, economic forecast, never forecasts a recession, ever. Right. In in the economy. Can you imagine if they said in 2025 we think there's going to be a massive recession? Well, they just created one. So, anyway, we have to always take these numbers with a grain of salt. But uh, the core PC, of course, uh, uh, as they like to say, um, uh, doesn't include uh, volatile energy and food prices. And as I always say, thank God nobody ever eats or uses energy, right. or else the numbers would be higher. But uh, anyway, I think we all feel that the number is a, bit, uh, a lot higher than that 3.1, but it is trending up, and uh, there's a lot of things uh, this decade, I think, that are different than last decade, which, uh, which will continue to, to push these numbers, um, these numbers higher. You know, I, I, I wanted to, to, to mention here that I just want people to think about this for a second. U.S. government spending every year, 70% of it, Seventy percent is entitlements and interest on the debt. Seventy percent, mm. and that's unproductive, obviously, um, um, spending. You know, as far as, as far as growth is concerned. So it's it's really tough when you get to these to these levels of, of, of debt and entitlements to, to, to grow your way out of things uh, over the over the long run. So that's why I think you know over time. Um, the Fed's going to get pushed into yield curve control, but we can talk more about that.
1: Yeah, no, that's that's been kind of the expectation ever since last summer when they first put out their notice they were going to uh, let inflation run higher than usual, you know, through the averaging of inflation, all that stuff. Powell announced Jackson Hole last year in late August. Now, Bob, everybody's... Looking at this next FOMC coming up in, uh, it'll be two weeks from Tuesday and Wednesday of next week. So we're, I don't know, whatever that is, 18 days from now, 19 days from now. Everybody's looking at that, waiting for something from the Fed, because if you don't get something from the Fed regarding, you know, this talking about, thinking about, pondering taper, then we may not get anything until Jackson Hole in August. It certainly sets us up for a rather interesting month of June ahead, doesn't it? Well,
0: it, it certainly does, and you know the last gold digger report that I did. the uh, The title of it was "The Secret to Happiness is Low Expectations," and you know I like that quote because right. the Fed always manage expectations. They always have low expectations. They always say they're going to be uh, more hawkish than they actually are over over the long run. But the, you know the fact the fact is, you know, and this is a, a, a quote from Louis Vincent Gave. He said, "A fifty basis point increase in the cost of funding for U.S. government is equal to the cost." annually of funding the u.s. navy which is 160 billion dollars so if if interest rates went up 50 basis points that's 160 billion dollars extra interest or what it costs to fund the u.s. navy for a whole year so i don't know how much interest rates can
1: go up (laughs) right exactly and and there's history in the past the last time we had debt-to-GDP ratio like this after World War II, the Fed did institute yield curve control. And Bob, I would suggest, what do you think of this? I've been telling everybody on my site, the word transitory, as you alerted to earlier. I mean, if they, if they said, oh yeah, inflation's here to stand, oh boy, are we screwed. Uh, nobody would be buying bonds and rates would spike. The word transitory and the use of it repeatedly is actually the Fed's first foray into yield curve control, job owning it. it does that sound right? Sure. No,
0: absolutely. Because it doesn't matter, um, really, what happens. It, it, what the market reacts to is what they think is going to happen. Yep. Or if, if, and, you know, as long as the Fed continues to on things down, and the market believes them, then that's fine. Now, you know, even even Alan Greenspan said a long time ago, this all works until people lose confidence in the Fed, and then and then it's a free for all. So yeah. right now, everybody still has confidence in the Fed. <laughs> so we'll we'll see. But you you brought up a a, a good point there because let's just go back in time you talked about tapering you know 2010 to 2020 was the decade of austerity right everybody was cutting back um spending was not happening these are all deflationary sort of forces and then in 2013 uh, the fed came out and did the taper tantrum right and if you recall in 2013 what happened to gold gold got slaughtered that year and it was a bad time for for years and years with gold the US dollar spiked Um, it created all kinds of kind of catastrophic consequences for emerging markets and um, because of the debt uh, in emerging markets etc and this all culminated right at the end of 2015 and 2016 with the US dollar uh, spiking And, um, you know, emerging markets in in really, really tough shape, and everybody non-US in really, really tough shape. So I can guarantee you one thing. The Fed does not want to make that mistake again. They do not want to be the first ones out of the gate with tapering. So that's why we see this time that the Bank of Canada here has actually said they might raise interest rates in 2022 instead of 2023. The, The ECB is probably going to be a little bit more hawkish. The Doves this time around... Are the Fed? They don't want to make the taper tantrum mistake of 2013, and that all points to, you know, positive positive things for gold, negative things for the U.S. dollar, and that's why we see c d x y DXY, kind of kind of hit that uh, hit a level uh, early March and uh, has uh, has uh, starting to fall off again. So, you know, I think. All these fluctuations happen on a week to week basis. You have to keep that in mind. This is a different decade than last decade. The Fed is not going to make the same mistake they did in 2013.
1: Yeah. So, Bob, let's talk about price. Again, the last time we spoke was back in March. Gold had come down. Uh, It had already hit once at 1680, but it was ready to double bottom in late March at 1680, which was a logical place for that to happen. We've now moved back up. We're above the 50-day moving average. We're above the 200-day moving average. We've clearly broken out of what is a what's called a bull flag on the uh, whatever chart you want to look at—daily, weekly, or monthly. So it looks like we're continuing higher from here. The shares look pretty good as well. Uh, what are your thoughts on price as we head into the summer? Yeah, it's
0: kind of fun to look back, right? I was I was on, on March 12th, and with hindsight, March 9th, three days before, was the was the bottom. And if you recall, I said at that time I I, I thought 16. Fifty to sixteen, seventy-five, sixteen eighty was was probably going to be the bottom, and the reason for that was was the technicals, one thing. But you know that isn't everything. It's sentiment in the market, and if you recall last time in March, I mentioned that hedge fund sentiment was the lowest it had been in a decade for gold. <laughs> right, everybody hated gold. Right, I, I couldn't find anybody, even the gold bulls. We're, we're scratching their heads saying, oh, God, maybe 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 I was wrong. And that's exactly the environment you want to invest in. Because of that sentiment, too, that's why I thought we were very, very close to the bottom. Now, we're, we're, gold's moved up nicely here, but sentiment takes a while to change on the positive side. So, you know, we, we don't see excessive optimism right now. There's, there, everybody's not calling for $3,000 gold again. You know, by the way, when Bank of America, big institution, called for $3,000 gold, Uh, Last fall, I was like, oh, God, we might be getting to excessive optimism in the gold space. So, of course, all those numbers have come down. And what we see right now is excessive optimism in copper, right? Because everybody's positive on copper. Everybody's doubling or tripling their copper prices now. Stocks have run massively. So, you know, being a contrarian, I would probably have to say, that we're in an environment where copper is probably going to consolidate for a few months and make people rethink their thesis. But I think copper is in a bull market and so is gold. But when we get to these times of excessive optimism, I think that um, you know a uh, uh, pullback is uh, is due to make people rethink their uh, their thesis. So as far as gold is concerned, yeah, we've we've had a nice run here. You know, April was a April was a big run. You know, it'll probably consolidate around this $1,900 level. It's got a um uh, you know silver especially that 28 30 level is important so it's touched it a, a couple times but i think uh, once it runs through that then you know silver is probably going to have a bigger run because silver is a mid to late cycle metal so it's going to have a bigger run than than, than gold over time and uh, and decrease that um that ratio between between gold and silver so i think everything looks good uh for the metals here we're into that next stage and and that's really important to remember that gold and silver are the first ones out of the gate which they were right after, right after COVID, then what happens is interest rates start to move up faster than inflation expectations, and that hurts gold. Um, and then it hands the baton over to the, to the base metals, and that's what's happened here with copper and uh, all the other base metals. Then the baton gets handed back to gold again, and that's, I think, what, what's happening right now.
1: Yeah, and so with that in mind, Bob, you were telling me uh, earlier this week you've made some changes to your um, mining clock. And if, you, if everybody listens, uh, whenever Bob's on, we always talk about his mining clock. It's kind of his, I don't know, Bob, we call it your proprietary deal. Uh, tell us about sure. it. it, it sure. It's,
0: it's good for, for visualizing where we are in the cycle because, you know, as Howard Marks says, everything in the world is cyclical. And if you forget new, rule number one you're going to get destroyed, right? That's rule number two. Rule number two is if you forget rule number one, you're going to get destroyed. So everything is cyclical, and it's important to remember that. So when we look at the mining clock, it tells us kind of where we are um, on the clock. And, you know, I should have called it the gold and silver clock or the uranium clock or the copper clock because everything is different as far as the metals are concerned. That's what I've done this month is changed it so I have gold and copper probably around, or sorry, gold and silver probably around a 6:30, which is definitely buy time. A little later innings than copper, um, and then uh, uranium, which is kind of by itself because it works on a long-term uh, cycle, etc. Long-term buying cycle is uh, probably around four o'clock. So the three o'clock is the absolute bottom. That's kind of the, the the puking, the capitulation. That was the end of 2015 for everything in the in the metal space. Then we start to move from there where, where metals prices stabilize and start to move up and exploration starts to happen. So, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a good way of visualizing kind of where we are in the cycle because you don't want to be in at, uh, at 11 or 12 o'clock into the sector because we're heading into the next downturn. And we're a long ways from that, though.
1: Certainly appears that way. And I know Eric feels that way as well. Um, as I mentioned, you're an old friend of Eric's. I know you speak with him often and we hope to have him come back and join us again someday uh, relatively soon. Uh, though I still don't know what day that might be. But I know you speak with Eric often. Um, what are his thoughts, at least as he've, he's expressed them to you?
0: You know, I, I do speak to Eric regularly, and I spoke to him actually the, this week. And uh, we talked extensively about uh, about what he's doing. And so I'd like to, like to share that uh, with you because Please. I know the uh, listeners haven't had an update uh, for for a while. So we won't be talking individual companies obviously for compliance reasons, but I can talk about his thesis and, and what he's looking to, to do. And um, I think what I should say here, though, is this is not advice. Remember, this do your own homework. I'm just telling you what Eric's doing at this particular time. So, you know, Eric um, has averaged, uh, when he ran the Sprott Managed Accounts for 25 years, he averaged over 25% a year for 25 years. Absolutely extraordinary re- returns, and it wasn't always in precious metal stock. He's just a great growth stock picker. But you know, Eric spreads his ideas around. He owns lots of different companies, but when he finds something he really likes, he concentrates on it, and it is the complete focus of his of his attention when he does that. So, right at this particular time, his entire focus is on Newfoundland and the Central Newfoundland gold belt. Obviously, the Abitibi region of Quebec um, has brought out 150 million, 200 million ounces of gold. And Eric has paid a lot of attention here to Newfoundland. You know, based upon the research of uh, of uh, a, f- a few people, Ron. one is Rich Goldfarb, one is Ian Hansberger, and one is uh, Sean Ryan. And uh, you take what these people have been saying about what they, th- how they think Newfoundland can be very, very similar to that Abitibi region. And by the way, Newfoundland hasn't been explored hardly at all. It's incredible. Been there for millions of years, and they only came up with the idea uh, that something might be there uh, less than a decade ago. Mm -hmm. So Sean Ryan, who got his notoriety through um, through, uh, uh, exploring in the Yukon, actually said a few years ago, he said, if I had known about Newfoundland, 25 years ago, instead of the Yukon, I would have focused on Newfoundland instead of the Yukon. So, you know, that was a that was a pretty big uh, plus for the area here. And then he started uh, to to buy up land, and um, people started to take notice uh, just uh, just a few years ago. So, you look at these these companies. Eric has uh, really paid attention to to their research. Obviously, done a tremendous amount of research himself, and you know he's found 10 to 15 companies that he's taking a 20% position, in, or he wants to take his position in those companies up to 20% in that area. So he's scouring, looking for new land, new ideas, and, you know, going to take that position to 20%, including some of the biggest companies in the area. So when you do that, and you blanket that area, we haven't had an area play for a long time in the Paris metal Space. Um, you know, when you do that, there's going to be some discoveries. But what's important, you know, going back to the mining clock, is that You know, these companies have to get financing. We have to be in in an environment where people are willing to give these companies money. And when they do, there's going to be discoveries, right? Companies will take that money, put it into the ground. And there wasn't discoveries for for many years because nobody was willing to give gold companies or exploration companies money. So once that money cycle starts, then we're going to start to get some some big big discoveries. And I think we're starting to see that in, in Newfoundland. It's exciting. Eric's excited about the area, and he's taking very, very concentrated positions in uh, in uh, many companies in that area.
1: And you know what he's uh, always taught me, and I yeah, this is kind of contrary to what I thought was right back when I was a stockbroker 30 years ago, is when he finds one that's working, that's obviously working, he puts more money in. You know, a lot of people, mm-hmm. I was always tempted, you take money off the table, I'll get my seed money back out, you know, and that kind of stuff. But when he finds one that goes, he, he presses uh, his bets, in a sense, um, which I yes. always think is a fascinating strategy, if you can pull it off.
0: Yeah, it, it you know it, it, a lot of this is psychology, right? And you yep. got to be willing to believe your thesis. You got to be willing to have conviction, and you got to be willing to hold your winners because all it takes is a few winners um, to make up for a lot of stocks that that, yeah. that didn't win. But most people, you know, will chop their winners and hold on to their losers. Well, mathematically, you end up with a whole portfolio full of losers.
1: Right. If you sell right. all your winners, right? Exactly.
0: <laughs> so, so uh, you know, why would you do that? So you've got to hold on to your winners, add to them as things get better, um, and uh, as the rate of change of, uh, of things are getting better, you've got to continue to add to those. So anyway, he's, he's uh, very excited about uh, that area right now, uh, spending a lot of time on that. And, uh, you know, any other ideas that come up, he kind of pushes them aside right now because he's, he's focused on, uh, on that area. And, you know, that sort of conviction is what makes uh, somebody successful over time.
1: No doubt. Let, let, let's let wrap up. What was that, that line of his about being the only one in the room by himself at the party? What was that one?
0: Yeah. You know, he told me that a long time ago. He said, you got to party in the room by yourself and he said, it's, an awful lonely place because everybody's having a party in the other room whether it's tech stocks or whatever the case is and he said you're accumulating large positions of small companies exploration companies a lot of times um when nobody else wants them nobody else is interested and then he says all you got to do is sit back and wait because when all the people in the other room want to party in your room it's an awful small door to get through that's a bloodbath because the stocks go up many many times at that point but you got to be there first and you got to You got to be there early and uh you know sometimes uh howard Marks once said right the the difference between being early and being wrong is sometimes indistinguishable and i thought that was a good quote absolutely good good quote
1: bob thank you so much it's always so much fun to visit with you and and for everybody that listens please remember uh help us out get the word out uh that would be a way to thank sprot money for all this content they put out please like Share, maybe subscribe to the channel you're listening to. That'll help us widen our distribution network, that's for sure. Again, Bob Thompson, Raymond James in Vancouver. Bob, thanks so much for your time.
0: Yeah, fantastic, Craig. We look forward to next time.
1: And from all of us at Sprott Money News and SprottMoney.com, thanks for listening. Have a great weekend.